Thank you all for tuning in. This is Iman and Selena. Together we make you plus happy. Each week we bring you someone who challenges us to define success and happiness on our own terms with a dose of laughter. Remember to like and subscribe to the You Plus Happy podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at You Plus Happy. Hey, Selena. Hey, Mon. How was your week? Anything you want to share with our listeners? It was good. Um, so this was a couple of weeks ago. I watched Temptations. Like I thought it was a movie, but it's a series. Oh, okay. The, um, the group, The Temptations, my girl. Oh, okay. Because I'm sure the movie called Temptations too. Iman looked a little confused, y'all. See. <laughs> um, so I watched that movie and it like it really stuck with me. I saw it, you know, back in the day, but like I didn't realize it took them like 10 years to get a hit single and like all these trials and tribulations. And I was it's just really like it was a reminder of like you have if you stick with things and you really feel it like it will it will work <laughs> so I, I just keep replay, replaying that in my mind that their success and then they they were of course a huge group and they had way more hits than I realized and um I don't know it was just it's just been like in the back of my mind all the time like dang you just gotta stick with stuff it took them a long time and they were broke Mm-hmm. they just stuck with it they stuck beside it <laughs> how was your week um mine was good wait really quick on the temptations i love that movie me and my cousin used to watch it like weekly growing up um but it makes me think of a podcast that i was listening to just this week and um he said in the podcast he's like oh it's taken me my whole life to become an overnight success and i'm like that's so true because a lot of times we don't know about it until it's like they're it. already on their way up. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a good point to keep in mind. And you heard this show that, I don't know if you heard about it in Australia, but it took off Squid Game. Mm-mm. So this show is like a big hit over here and it's on Netflix. And I, I heard this guy talking about it. He's not a part of the show. He's just talking about it. Like it, it's blown up. But the guy who wrote it, wrote it like 14 years ago. Oh, wow. And like, it's just blowing up now. And it's on mm-hmm. its first season. So it's just, that was just more confirmation. Like things take time, but yeah, like it took them 10, 14 years to take off. And it's just like, it, it's just a great reminder. Like just keep going. Yeah. I love that. I love it too. So how about your week? <laughs> skinny not much is really happening in my life at the moment we're back open um I know that's like a constant trend of closing and then opening um but I did sign up for a six-week fitness challenge that starts on Monday so I'm really excited about that um so I went and had like the introduction and he did a fitness test and I almost died, but I made it through still sore. And it was like three days ago. Um, but now I'm excited to, I guess, start my fitness journey, but also have, um, so it's 10 people in the challenge. And basically if you win it, 
um, they will pay you for losing weight and like getting tone and getting in shape. I don't think I'm going to be there, but I think it's going to be good to just be around people and have that like encouragement and motivation. So I'm excited to get started. Um, and yeah, well, we'll keep around that in six weeks. Keep us posted and go in with a mindset you are going to win. You don't know. Well, I know, but I think that the more, the further you are away from your goal, the more you're able to lose. Right, right. Um, so I'm just being realistic. Right. Just I was like, thinking, I would, yeah, I want you to be optimistic, <laughs> but, but I'm also still, realistic. <laughs> That's fair. I'm still, um, yeah, I'm still motivated and it was just good energy and good vibes when I went. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, she's tiny, so it's not. I'm not tiny, but I'm not super far from my goal. Okay, but yes, I'm happy for you, and I can't wait. I know you're gonna stick with it and see some results. I'll bring uh, my guns out at the end of the six weeks. Wait to see. It's gonna be warm there. I know. By the summer, I'll be I'll be ready. Welcome to the gun show. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I can't quite lift my arms at the moment, but in six weeks, I'll be able to. Consequences of your work. See, good ones. Right. So on that note, who do we have on the show this week? This week, we have Dr. Eugene Holloman, who is a former two-time all-conference running back at James Madison University. Growing up, he had aspirations of playing professional football after college, but after two significant knee surgeries before his senior year, his plans were derailed. After graduating with a degree and pursuing a major simple enough to keep him eligible, but that honestly disinterested him, Eugene quickly regretted not taking school more seriously. While some of his college buddies were off to corporate careers or entrepreneurship, Eugene spent the next four years in his parents' home discovering his passions and what career path he wanted to pursue. Eugene enrolled in a master's program to pursue his MBA while working as an elementary school tutor and sales rep for a high-end suit retailer. While not making enough money to pay for school, he eventually landed an entry-level job at a Fortune 500 healthcare company. Soon thereafter, he applied and was hired to the company's leadership development program. Eugene is now a corporate compliant manager for the same company and is currently pursuing his doctoral degree at Regent University, which after this, as of this episode, he has graduated. Um, He credits Regent University for helping him discover his passion for writing within just his first couple of semesters of attendance. While writing numerous research papers on leadership, Eugene decided to write his first fictional novel, The Athlete Student Freshman Year. If you're on our YouTube page, you can see a copy of it. His goal is to reach as many student athletes and youth as possible in hopes that this story will benefit them as Eugene believes having such an inspiring read would have been highly impactful when he was in high school. And without further ado, we welcome Dr. Eugene Holloman. All right, here we go. So how did you get started and what you do? When you say get started, you mean like um, as an author or? 
any way you want to go. All right. Um, so I, I'll, I'll answer it in the perspective of an author. So I, I never wanted to, to write books. Like I didn't even read books when I was in school. Like that was the least important thing to me. In our household, like if you had to read a book, that was because you were on punishment, right? And so, you know, writing books was, was so fun, so unfun to me. I, I didn't anticipate doing that. I, I did, however, anticipate uh, playing in the NFL. Like that's, that was my, my dream, that was my goal. And so um, that was most of my friends' goals. And so I was one of the few to actually go to college in my circle of friends, actually one of the only ones. And um, I wasn't the best out of my, my circle of friends, but um, I was the one that stuck with it and, and persevered through all the obstacles, right? And so to make a long story short, after my junior year in college at James Madison, I was all conference. Uh, scouts were like coming to see me, me practice and, and calling my, my, my parents and say like, I, I really have a shot. And um, my, my head got like really swole. I'm, I was like, man, I'm, I'm close to fulfilling the dream I had since I was five years old. They were selling my number 14 jersey in the bookstore. I was like the man on campus. And I, I'm not trying to like say that um, as in I'm bragging, but I'm just trying to, you know, give you guys the reality and paint the picture. And going into my senior year, all I had to do was duplicate what I did my junior year, my senior year. And we played the University of North Carolina. I'll never forget it. Um, packed house. I remember taking a, a pitch to the right only to be, be greeted by like a 6'6", 235 pound defensive end. And so naturally, you know, I, I planted my right foot in the, in the ground to change my direction to the left. My whole body went left aside from my, my right leg and I ended up tearing uh, majority of the ligaments in my knee. And I was devastated. I majored in the easiest major uh, James Madison had to offer because, you know, school wasn't important. Um, and I came back home to Virginia Beach um, and I went through two and a half years of like deep depression where it got to the point that I had suicidal thoughts um, because my identity was so wrapped up into um, Eugene Holloman, the football player. I never knew anything outside of it. So suddenly everything just is stripped away and I just had no sense of self-worth. I had... Um, no sense of um, accomplishing any goals. I didn't have any because the one goal I did have was gone. <clears throat> and um, I remember looking for my father's gun because I just didn't want to live anymore. Think about it, right? I had this dream since I was five years old. And here I am 21 years old. And so from five to 21, I only thought about one thing. I only worked towards one thing. And now that thing that was over, I, I just, I, I couldn't live with it anymore. And I couldn't find my, my father's gun. I mean, I searched high everywhere. I, I knew he had one, but he must've um, been really good at hide and seek in his day because I could not find it. And luckily um, I just broke down in tears and I, and I called a friend. I was just like, man, I'm, I'm dealing with this. It was the first time I ever admitted that I was dealing with suicidal thoughts because Facebook was still a thing then. And I'll still be posting on Facebook, making my life look like this. I'm good. Like I'm still, I'm still cool. I'm still having fun. I'm still in the club acting like I got money. And, but that was so far from the truth. I was, I was really just dying and struggling inside. And, um, my friend ended up walking me out because therapy wasn't a thing in the, in the black household then, right? Um, we won't go into therapy. Nobody really talked about a therapist now, like is, is more prevalent now. Um, and so he 
called me, you know, two, three times a day and just checked on my mental health, my well-being. And I kind of walked myself out of um, that depressive mind state. I ended up getting an entry-level job at um, Anthem as a healthcare organization that I currently work for now. And um, I remember uh, someone telling me the same thing that you did in football, use it outside in your in your real life right the is is the hard work is to getting up at five o'clock in the morning and just getting after it right it's, it's when somebody push you down you get right back up it's outworking the person next to you it's just so many intangibles that um I didn't know that I had been an athlete that I could that that was transferable to the outside world and um I did that and we had this leadership development program where thousands of applicants apply. I'm talking about from um, Stanford, from, from Duke to LSU, from Virginia Tech. And they only allowed 10 people, 10, um, 10, 10 um, members in at, at, in a year. And um, out of the thousands of applicants, I was, I was one of the 10 that got accepted. And I, I met one of my best friends who was also a member of the, the leadership development program. And he was like a someone I would never thought I would hang out with because he was he's a bit corny, right? Mm -hmm. All my friends are are kind of like a little, a little gangster, right? They're a little, they got a little thuggish um, edge to him. And he was so far from it. But um, he sat me down once he sat me down one day and he was like, let's let's um let's write goals. I was like, man, I'm not about to write no goals. And um he kept kind of bothering me like I sit down and write goals and one of the goals that he had um that he, he thought I should put down on, on my list was to go back to school and so I went back to school got my master's and maybe two years passed from from then I accumulated student loan debt and I was like he was like man you should go back to school and get your doctor that way you can pay back your student loans from your master's they can be deferred and you can work out a plan have your have the company pay for your doctor and you just continue to make payments in your master's and I was like oh, that's actually a good idea and so I started my my doctoral program at Regent and I know I'm long-winded here I'm sorry I started my doctoral program at Regent and um I remember my first paper it was like a 20-page leadership paper and I got an 89 on it and I'm not a like a, I'm not a I'm not like a B, I'm like a C plus B minus student, to be honest, definitely when it comes to writing. And my, my, professor, my professor was like, Eugene, I think you got like a, a really, a really good voice in your writing. And I think you're a phenomenal writer. And she could have been lying to me. I don't know. But I was like, all right, and she think I'm going to write and I got to write these long papers. Let me write about something that I want to write about. And that's where the the athlete student uh, book series and and my the beginnings of me being a, a author all started. That was so long. I'm sorry. Edit and cut it how you want it. But oh. yeah, that, that was the journey. Well, you answered all the questions. See you yeah. later. <laughs> it's been nice. nice. Great. <laughs> Summed it up. Um, no, I, I guess first off, just I appreciate how open you are with just sharing your journey. And, um, you know, a lot of people have been there, but don't admit to it and wouldn't go on a platform and kind of share their lowest point. So I appreciate that. Um, I guess on your journey, what was that moment? It sounds like it was a transition, but what was that moment when you were like, all right, I need to kind of snap out of this depression and there's something other than football for me? Like, was there a turning point that happened for you? It actually was. So um, everybody in my family was like dependent on me. It was like, when we, when we make it to the NFL, we're going to do this, right? Almost counting my dollars before I actually you know, uh, capture them. Um, but I have an older brother. 
um, one of my best friends, one of the smartest guys that I know, but he was going through a very hard time. And this is right after I graduated, kind of, um, kind of before I started really getting in the middle of the like the press of my state in my depression. But my, my older brother um, committed armed robbery and he was on a run, run from the police about four to five months where no one could find him. And um, out, out the blue, he called me and he was like, man, I, I can't do this anymore, meaning that he can't continue to run from the police. I'd never been in that position, but he, he was saying how exhaustive that was that, you know, you got to stay out the public eye. Anytime you see a police, you, you ducking and hide. And it was just, he was just like, man, I, I give up. And so um, I called the detective because the detectives were kind of staking out my house because they thought my, I would leave them or my brother would come back. And that's where they arrest him because they had my brother's um, photo and, and name all over the news. And so when I called the detective, he said, you know, he'll give me a couple hours and they're going to come get him. I, I believe this was like a late Sunday night. And um, I picked my brother up. I take him to Applebee's of all places because I was like, man, it's going to be a long night for you. Let's get you something to eat. And I remember being in Applebee's and my brother was considered um, armed and dangerous. And so since I called the detective, they I guess they put an alert out or something. But I remember seeing so many undercover just kind of just watching us out every move until they actually captured him. Because they just didn't know. I can call the detective and say he's going to turn himself in. But, you know, why would they believe me? So they were just doing their due diligence. And I remember um, taking my brother, I dropped him off, to, didn't drop him off, I took him to see um, his eight-month-year-old daughter at the time. And he that was the last time he seen her, he kissed her goodbye. And we went to my aunt's house and my brother showered and everything, we prayed. And, and two detectives, two Virginia Beach detectives came and got him. And from that moment, um, he was charged and sentenced 30 years. And so wife, um, really started to get real to me like if you don't take life serious that that was my mindset if you don't take life serious um all the all the talents and gifts that you have will be wasted and so my brother was like a mathematician where me I struggled in math growing up but he can he can um compute numbers in his head like a genius but that was for not because of his choices and the consequences that happened afterwards and so that moment um, really changed my life, right? Um, hate to kind of use his story, but it did. It, it affected me to the point where I was just like, man, I only got one life. Let me let me make the best. Let me make the best of it um, because the decisions he made affected his daughter, where she now calls another man dad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it, it it changed everything for me. I just started to all right. Let me make good decisions first and foremost. Um, because a lot of people, no matter how talented they are, um, no matter what they can achieve in life, if you continue to make bad decisions, you're going you're gonna to ultimately pay for them. And so um, that was the first thing is like, let me make good decisions and then let me um, let me treat people right. And then let me let me just do things that I normally wouldn't do. I don't care if people call me corny or, or lame. I got out of that what I thought people would think of me. And that kind of just just changed my whole mindset. I'm sorry. I'm gonna shorten my answers. I apologize. I'm gonna shorten no, my answers. No, you're here to I, tell them. I'll be rambling. <laughs> but yeah, and I are here every week. So I know. <laughs> you talk. Not we. <laughs> they heard enough of us. <laughs> um, quick follow up question: How did you 
deal with having that pressure from your family of like you're supposed to be the man and then kind of losing I guess you know when that wasn't going to be your future anymore how did how was that shift how was how did you deal with that um it was tough I had a I had a college sweetheart and um she was like an IT major she graduated making like 60,000 a year and that was you know that was pretty good I graduated couldn't find a job making 11 dollars an hour and so it was that and then it was all that we talk and then after you know I was you know done playing football it was what you are going to do so it wasn't no we anymore it was we when everybody can jump on my back and, and go along with the ride and so I noticed that language shifting I noticed how people didn't call my phone as much or text me as much and so yeah, I just had a, I had an identity crisis. I had to figure out who I wanted to be. And that was the toughest part, right? You, you are this person, people put you on this pedestal and then no long, then all of a sudden they, they can walk past you without batting the eye. And um, that identity, that identity piece, um, it was important for me to figure out, all right, what do I want to do? What do I want? what I want, what do I want my life to look like? But that was the toughest part. Um, but it made it easier for me as I, as I took this journey alone. Um, I didn't have to please anybody else. I wasn't making decisions to please anybody else besides myself. Um, and it, it grew me as a, as a man. Um, it really grew, grew me as a man because I was accountable to myself and not to everyone else. And I had to wake up and look in the mirror and be be okay with who I was and um you know looking back it was it was tough but looking at where I am now it was probably one of the best things that has happened to me if I would have like made it to the NFL and I, I got a contract for and I wasn't gonna get drafted you know first through the fifth I was gonna be a late round draft pick probably making two the minimum the minimum um what they pay maybe like 200,000, but that 200,000 would have seemed like it was 20 million where I would have been um, just giving so much of myself trying to help everybody else that I would have been, I would have been worse because I would have felt like I had to save and take everybody with me. And that, that money doesn't go that far. And I probably would have went through so much more depression trying to, trying to do that, um, that, I wouldn't have be, been able to take care of myself financially because the financial literacy wasn't there then um, like it was now. I would just, I would just squandered everything um, trying to make everybody happy. And you, you, you know what I mean? So when everybody left, even, even if that would have happened, when the money would have ran out, they would have left anyway. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, totally there's no way that you can keep up with that. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. So... And yeah. you would have ran yourself in the hole trying to take, trying to help these people who turn their back on you as soon as you don't have anything. So it was yeah. like good that you didn't, they got to go away when you didn't have anything versus right. getting all, bleeding you dry. And then being like, deuces, like that's not. And I'm, and I also love that you didn't become, I know you said you had an identity crisis and you, you had to go through that and reassess, but you didn't turn bitter and being like the world's against me or, cause I know that's tough. People that you think are in your corner, that's not the language you use, but you think they're in your corner. You think they have your back. And then when everything's not great, you're gone. And I, that's, that sounds super hurtful. Um, not to like try to throw salt in the <laughs> You're fine. I'm like, that hurt. Right. But yeah. um, it just, I'm just glad that like you didn't turn bitter because it, it's all about perspective and we, we mm-hmm. can 
we have a choice of how we respond to things. So you talked about a lot of challenges along the journey, but what's been the biggest one? Um, and, and me, my wife, we are foster parents too. So it's, um, it's, it's been a lot thrown to me, but like, like a friend of mine says, you got broad shoulders for a reason. Right. And so I, I take a lot of responsibility and I, and I take it serious. I think the biggest challenge though, is what everybody is facing um, with COVID. Cause COVID happened. I, I, I wasn't able to kind of walk um, the stage after I graduated, but my, I had so much momentum with my first book, right. Where, you know, it was being picked up by the local news and I was selling thousands of copies but I had this old, um, I was a Master P fan, not, not just the music, but the man himself. Mm-hmm. And he used to say how he used to sell his CDs out the back of his trunk. And so I put all my books in the back of my trunk and I go to anyone and I hand them my business card, give them my elevator pitch. And for some reason, it was just magnetic where people were like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to support. And I saw a lot of books just, just, just face to face. But when COVID happened, I mean, it just went dry. Cause I couldn't approach anyone and it was built for me to have that interaction with um, my customers, I guess is what I can call them. Right. And um, you know, just being, and I'm naturally an introvert. So when I wrote the book, I knew it wasn't going to sell itself. I had to force myself to, to really go out. I would go to Barnes and Nobles on my lunch break. Um, I was picking up speaking engagements and, and selling books that way. And when COVID happened, I just, to my natural state of, of like being an introvert. And it's, it's been hard to try to get back to where I was. Um, Cause it, it did take a lot for me to get out that shell. Like I like being home, I can be home and just, and be comfortable. I don't have to be around people, actually being around people and talking a lot. I know you guys can't tell cause I'm rambling, but it dra- <laughs> it does, it drains me. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I, I get drained where like, I don't have to talk to anyone. And so COVID is probably the, the toughest challenge, but I can't get but so mad because everybody's kind of dealing with that. And, you know, some people deal with it harder than others. And, and I'm, I'm one that, you know, I, I have seen the effect that it has took on um, just what I built up um, inwardly. And then um, just the, the natural things that it has affected people with. Two quick things. How did you get the speaking engagements? Um, Introduce to myself, like I would just put myself out there and I would just tell them why I wrote this book and I make it as passionate. I want people to really feel my heart, right? I want people to understand that. Um, and and two, I didn't even want to write the book. I Googled, I was like, it has to be a book out here about this. And it wasn't, I was like, well, I guess I'm tasked to do it. And so I wore it everywhere I go. I can be out to dinner with like friends and family or even like a date night with my wife and I make it a point to go to somebody hand them my business card and give them my elevator pitch. That's how serious I was. And so that led to when people can kind of feel your passion, they're like, well, well let me get this guy a shot. And so I'll, I'll get these engagements. And then it's, it's up to me to kind of like kill it. And, and so they can have, you know, positive feedback. And, and that leads to, to something else because someone else is in the audience. They're like, oh, okay, we can have this guy speak. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, that was, that was the most part. Some of these things were just, it wasn't like I was looking for it. I would just get an email saying, are you available? And I would just go. I didn't turn anything down. Okay. And your elevator pitch, how long was it? What is it? Can you share? It's like 30. So I, and I was really good at it, but I, like, I struggle with it now. But I, I'll hand somebody my business card and, or even if I had a book or if I had a book, it's better. 
because you give them the book, right? And you look them in the eyes and I introduce myself. My name is Eugene Holland. I'm the author of the Athlete Student Book Series, which is a fictional novel about a young kid who's a phenomenal athlete. All he ever wanted to do in his life was play professionally. Before he can do that, um, it's college. So it takes you through his freshman, sophomore, and now junior year, how you balance academics, athletics, parties, peer pressure, coaches, teammates, drugs, alcohol, the things that happens on a college campus that no one really talks about. In the inner city, young kids find their gift of athletics at an early age, as early as five years old. And they're not careful. They nourish that one gift. They go to college. They choose the easiest major thinking that they're going to make it. But if they don't, they look back on their life and say, dang, what the heck am I going to do with my life now? And we see it time and time again. So I wrote this book to help kids understand the importance of taking advantage of athletics and not just relying on uh, taking advantage of their education and not just relying on the athletic ability. So how long was that? About 30 seconds or so? I'm sold. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So all right, I'll buy one. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 and I, it just worked. And, but, you know, I had a lot of people who just cut me off and like, and I get that that comes along with it, but for the most part, it was, it was really positive. Yeah. I feel like, um, there's so much, <laughs> but with your, book um what made you so I know that you this you said it's fictional but it sounds like it's a lot based on kind of your experience um so is it loosely based on just your experience or is there like is there a reason you say it's fictional even though it seems like yeah. it kind of aligns with what you've gone through it is loosely based on um, my experiences but I feel like it's a culmination of people I've seen on TV, TV, former teammates, some friends, like it's, he's a hybrid of just so many different people. That's why when people can pick it up, they can, they can identify with it. Right. Um, Cause it's a piece of, it's just a piece of a lot of different people. And it's some, um, it's some real life stuff. Like he takes you through like, and he doesn't always make the best decisions. His name is Michael Tootie Mayberry. He goes by the name of Tootie. And um, he doesn't make the best decisions. Like he's, you, you can, you can feel him maturing right before your eyes, just like anybody else. I don't, I don't want him to be a hero. I want him to, the, to wear his flaws and, and, and take you through this thought process of a 18, 19, 20 year old. And we, we make some like really bad decisions. Um, and, and you'll see where, it, where it's going. And I, and I think that's important for kids to know, like, man, these kids think about like doing such and such, but then in the end, you know, you get to see the results from, it. you get to see the consequences that he has to go through, um, through his decision-making. And so I, I wanted him to be raw. Um, I don't necessarily even want him to be liked, but he's going to be respected. And um, you get to respect his, his journey, the good, the bad, the ugly, because in the end, no human being walking this earth is perfect. We look at some people like, man, they have a good life, but we don't realize, man, for him to get there, for that person to get to where they are currently, you don't see the scars and the, and, the, and the battles, the internal battles that they had to face, right? And so I think that is the, 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 the pivotal part and the most important part of, of this, this, this character. Mm -hmm. I love it. And then you brought up another thing, which I um, think is really, especially as a fellow introvert, I know how hard it is to put yourself out there, but just the idea of you using every opportunity to promote what you're doing. I think that's really hard to do. Um, and Selena and I have talked about it in the past where it's like, we're doing this, but then there's a lot of hesitation with telling people about what it is we're doing. So the fact that you're able to just go out there, meet complete strangers and be like, hey, this is me and this is what I'm doing. Like what, 
like what motivated you or gave you that drive to just put yourself out there? The worst thing they can do is like just say no or yeah. walk away from you, right? Not not nine mm -hmm. times out of ten, I'm never gonna see that person again, especially if they say no. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And it's 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 so hard. It was it's so uncomfortable yeah. for me to do even now. Um, but I was like, man, this the only way it's gonna get out there is if I do it myself. No one is gonna push your stuff like you can. And um, I realized that I thought if initially I thought if I wrote a book, everybody, you know, would just come calling, but it wasn't the case. Like I had to do it. And um, it's a part of me like this book and even what you guys are doing for you guys to do this consistently for, ha for however, however long you guys have been doing it, it becomes a part of you and it should be. And so if it's a part of you, you got to let other people know because you just never know who you're going to interact with. You know, you're going to never know who's going to uh, give you the olive branch to, to take your stuff to the next level. Um, and for me, um, I have got, I've met a lot of great people through this, um, by just kind of being bold and kind of stepping out of my comfort zone. And so I used to have this trainer who used to say, you know, make sure you are comfortable being uncomfortable. And I try to live by, like, I'm so uncomfortable. The people that, the people that I least want to introduce myself to, I force myself to do it. Like mm -hmm. the, like the, like an older white gentleman who probably has no interest in, what I have to say, I force myself to do it. And if he gives me 30 seconds of his time, great. And if he, he says, all right, man, I, I want to buy a book. I want to support you. All right. Um, that's even better. And you just, you just never know how somebody can connect with what you guys are doing, but it is going to take a level of faith and then an extra level of boldness to do so. It sounds like the goal is bigger than the fear. Like that's like the kind of quote that's coming to my mind. Like don't let fear paralyze you because I know meaning mine the first time I sent an email to someone I didn't know to be on the show I was shaking like <laughs> I was sweating and this was an email this wasn't even in person right I was like, I was like oh my god our show. I read the email like 50 times I read it out loud but now it's like it's um it's still a little scary sometimes but it's it's not as hard as it first one too did you find that in your pitches or it was just like person by person like um, it's person by person. Like, um, I, so I got to tell this story. And so I was sitting, waiting to get a haircut in Virginia beach in town center. I don't know if you guys kind of familiar with the area and I'm just eating by myself. Like, I, like I'm an introvert. I, that's what I do. I eat by myself and I don't feel no way about it. And so I look at the bar and it's this guy, I'm like, he, he, he looks familiar. So I was like, all right, that's the person I'm going to, um, get my card to. And, um, it's Bill Bellamy like yeah. the the comedian yeah. and so I, mm -hmm. I hand my card to Bill Bellamy and he's looking like he's interested in what I it is a lot of people that I have gave that elevator pitch to who just like dude get out my face you can tell in their eyes yeah. and so I, I can I can change my elevator pitch to end it in 10 seconds because I know this person is like ah, he's, he's already looking at like get out my face or you can tell when somebody's like okay okay and so Bill stopped eating and he was like really engaged what I, I had to say and um, I, I gave him a book. He was like, hold on, I'm gonna put you on my Instagram. And um, I let him finish eating. And then we went outside and he had his friend that he was with, they recorded it. Like me just giving my elevator pitch, like the one I've been practicing over and over. And he put it on his his Instagram and it was like the, the greatest thing ever. And I'm just like, that, that, that part of just like going for it, yeah. Like I, I just tell people, just go for it. Like this, you only got one opportunity in this. Like Selena, when you told me 
um, that you guys were going to make it to Oprah one day. That's when I was like, okay, I got to get on this thing on podcast. I got to do it because it's, it's that, it's that like, all right, I can see the big picture right now. I'm small, but you got a, you got a goal in mind and I'm the same way. And I was like, okay, yep. You, you guys probably will be on Oprah one day. I want to be a part of this. And when people can really just state their, their goals like that, and continue to have action that backs it up. You just never know where it's going to go. And it's, it is right. You just got to be willing to, to overstep being afraid. Cause I was still shaking the whole time. Bill Bella. I was like, this is Bill Bellamy. Like, yeah. I'm, you know what I mean? I was still, but I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was worth it. It reminds me um, of that quote or like, it's very cliche, but like, if you don't, how does it go? If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Yeah. It sounds like you always are, you got a book with you, you got a business card with you, like you're ready for any opportunity. And I think that's so important because um, you never know, like you didn't know Bill Bellamy was going to be at the bar, but you were ready when he was, you know? I, I had just ate like, ate like eggs and stuff. I was like, man, I had no like mints or anything with me. I, was, I didn't want to get too close, but it was cool. It was cool. But I, I, yeah, I definitely was, I definitely was, a, I, I definitely was ready. And then when you have a goal in mind, you all, I feel like you always are reminded, like, all right, this is what I'm supposed to do. Because it, it's hard, man. I know you guys probably thought about, like, giving up, like, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> um, I think about giving up all the time, but it's something that it always constantly reminds you of, like, the bigger picture, the, the thing that whispers in your ear, like, don't give up, keep going. And so you, you reach those milestones along the way, and you know, like, all right, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Is that all it takes when you feel like you want to quit is, like, just for that whisper or just comes to you because there's always no matter what you're doing it's those times where it's like is this worth it like it's so really what what how do you move push forward push through that um yeah just like all right um I well really for me I um I stopped listening to a lot of music. Like I don't listen to music like I, I do. It's like self-development podcasts. And um, the people that I listen to, right, is always pushing forward. And, and when you hear their story of how um, they started, like the humble beginnings, it's like the same position that we are in, right? And it's the person that, that continues to do, just do the small things day after day after day, eight years, 10 years, that makes it they're the one that can motivate and inspire a generation because they didn't quit and so I don't want to look back when I'm 60 and say man I wish I would I wish I would I played um I played arena league football and you you'll see like a lot of older guys still playing right and then you ask them their story um they play because they didn't have the opportunity to play college ball and they made whatever mistake and there's a lot of regret and um, is when I realized, right, you only you, you got a small window and the days that you miss, the days that you lay in bed and ready to quit are days that you can get better. Right. It's something that you can get better at. And so um, for me, it's like, all right, no matter how I feel, like, just try, just keep on like pushing forward and let's just see what where we're going to go at the end of this thing. We just don't know. But I don't want to be at that that old age and say, I wish I did this. I regret doing that. Like that's miserable. I love that so much. When you um, every day you lay in bed is a day you could get up and get better. I might 
I might have, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but I love that so much. Um, so easy to lay in bed, like, dang it. Um, who, who do you listen to real quick when you listen to these uh, personal development podcasts? Uh, Secret of Success is my favorite one. That's what, um, what's the, the hip hop preacher, Eric Thomas? Mm-hmm. Um, all the time. <laughs> yeah, Jamal King, um, I forget the other two, Carl and uh, CJ, I believe. And so I listen to them um, the most. And then, um, yeah, those just so many different things. And then I try to read just a lot of like uh, self-development books. But I probably, I I re-listen to their message the most out of any other podcasts that are out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just because I can kind of relate to just the the grind. Just the grind. Yeah. Um, Switching gears big time. What is something you hope people say about you when you're not in the room? Um, that's a good question. I was I was asked that question recently, and, and it changes. So different people are going to have a, a, a different outlook on me, right? They people know me from college, and they know me as the playboy, and I get it, right? So they may have something different to say about me, or they see me now and be like, "Hey, ladies, like this." Like I I really didn't give my all in certain aspects of my life, like I wish I should have, right? But um, I don't know. I just wish people was would say that um man, he was, he was someone to, um, I don't know. That's a good question. He is someone, um, that I could, uh, show my son to say like, all right, like this is someone that you could or should follow. And that, that kind of means a lot. Like I see a young kid and, um, I know there's a, a lot of responsibility. So if they look up to me, um, if they look up to me, like, I mean, I, I wear that with pride because it's not a lot of examples out here. Mm-hmm. And especially not one that, like, I'm not a celebrity or on TV, but just an average guy, right? And, and we can make, like, the average guy still can be cool and can still be someone that kids can look up to. And, um, and so that's, that's, probably, that's probably one is that, man, I, I would like my, my son to be similar to him. It's probably what I would want people to say. Yeah. And I guess along your journey, did you have that person or people that you kind of looked up to that inspired you to keep going um, and motivated you? Um, I did, but it looked different, right? Like my uncle was like, a, my uncle was a, a hustler, drug dealer, right? And I looked up to him at one point. But now that I look at it, I'm like, man, I'm, I want to take parts of that. I want, I still want to have that hustle too. I just want to do it differently. Like I, I really hustle my books. Like I was like selling drugs or something like that's, I mean, I, I take parts of that. Um, but I, parts of it is a lot of people I didn't look up to. And it wasn't until I got older and I, I started asking um, some of the people I looked up to, to be like my mentor. Cause I didn't know what like marriage look like or healthy marriage look like and so I have more people that I look up to now than I did when I was a kid um Mm -hmm. and so I I I think that kind of explains um just my different outlook on life and I'm not limited to like a a certain type of person like a lot of kids look up to a a rapper right and we we kind of take in in their words and so I have a I have like um I have friends 
who are like pastors. I have friends who are uh, entrepreneurs. I got a, like a, a lot of different people that I can pull different stuff from, right? It's not just uh, one person. And so um, I have it more now. I wish I had it when I was a kid um, rather than like the typical like rapper or, or ball player. Um, but I, I am thankful that I, I do have it now. And I, and I want to be someone that kids can 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 have that too right i want kids to be like all right yeah this is someone that i can mold my life after or i can look up to that's i i do wear that with pride because that's that's a big one you have this person that you look up to and then you know they go to jail or they do something and it's like man your hero order is 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 not who you thought they were um but i want somebody who's authentic right um but also someone that like I can really look up to, I ain't saying they're perfect, but they're going to be transparent with me. And I really get to understand the whys of, of what they did. Yeah. And even if you had had that as a boy, do you think you would have recognized it? Cause you're an adult and you see, have these people around you and you've been through a lot. So it's easier for you to see, and you know what you need to now, it sounds like more so, but as a child, do you think if, even if those people, I don't know, it's just a random question, but even if you were around them, would you have looked up to them as a child? No, like, no so, so it wouldn't have mattered yeah. if they were around. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like I like really like I like young teenager man. Only thing that I really cared about was like the the ladies and like hanging out with my friends and then sports and I I it was just so much more that I wish I was exposed to, but kind of going back just in the circle that I was with, I probably couldn't see any further than that. Um, yeah, I, I was just saying like a side note, cause yeah, but anyway, um, and also what I'm hearing throughout too is you have these skills that you're transferring over. So like when you say you play football and getting up early and blah, blah, then you applied that to, when you couldn't do that anymore, you applied that to other areas of your life. Um, and then when you saw your, I forgot your uncle or your cousin who was hustling, like selling drugs, you, instead of selling drugs, you just hustled your book. So I love that you're taking these, um, you just pull, like you said, you pull what you need again, paraphrasing, but you mm -hmm. pull what you need and you apply it to what you want. And I love that like mindset. And I just wanted to point it out. Cause I love that. Like, thank you you're welcome <laughs> um, and and that's for the listeners too like we can apply those those mm -hmm. skills to other things um so our whole show is about success and being happy what does success mean to you how do you define it and this is a two-parter and when are you the happiest yeah that's that's a tricky question i heard this statement on a on a podcast and i was like this is true success he says success is the threat. Success is a threat to success, right? Uh, meaning that you can be successful and you try to rest on that success and thinking that it's just gonna carry, it's gonna carry itself everywhere you go, but that's not true. And I was thinking back to uh, my junior year in college where I was the most successful. Um, ever playing athletics, right? Where I was all conference, where I was, you know, my, my billboard in Harrisonburg, Virginia, my, my number 14 jersey in the bookstore, everybody knew my name. And I was resting on that, right? I didn't prepare my senior year the same way. 
or I didn't work as hard. I was like, I'm already here. It's just gonna follow me, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the same thing I did before. Like it's like, like success is just a stamp that you, it, it's just, it's just imparted in you. It's like a necklace or something, right? But that's not true. Like success is like when you get there and you're on that mountaintop, you still have to go and work just as hard, if not harder. Because something is always behind you trying to take you off that mountaintop. And so that's how I look at success now. It's like, if I accomplish something, right, it's something that's that's trying to pull me down and take away that success. Like being successful and say, oh, I'm successful and I'm going to always be that way. That's the threat to you being even more successful. And I and I, I understand that now. So it's not like, oh, I can achieve something and I'm a success. Right. It's something that's a threat. It's something that can happen that can pull you down. And that's how we see a lot of people who so-called made it, right? We, we see a, um, someone who won an MVP one year and then, or they get a big fat contract or they get the job that they want. And you look, you know, a couple of years from now they no longer have it because they think, all right, I don't have to work as hard anymore. I, I, I made it. And it's a lot of work to get to the mountaintop, but to stay there though, to stay at that mountaintop, it's even more work. And so that that's, that's like the, my motto now is like, man, if I make it, I can't get, like like big chested to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm here now. Like it's, mm-hmm. I understand that it's gonna take even more work for me to stay here. And so if I ever, you know, got on Oprah or something like that, I can't just rest on it, right? I, it's it's I got to be more creative. I gotta I gotta do something more, and that's that's my mindset. And so sometimes that that takes away your happiness, and is is you got to balance because to go into the second part of the, of the question, because you can always be striving to want more or to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes when I reflect too, and I look around at some of the stuff that I I have accomplished. You know, it, it does bring me joy and it does make me happy for, you know, the moment. Um, but I try to balance the two where it's like, all right, let me stop reflecting and get back to work or let me stop working and, and reflect. And so it's a it's a juggling act between the two. But I think they're both are equally important. I love that so much. And I was just thinking about that, like everything in life is about what have you done for me lately? And I think about it as in like body ways. Cause I'm like, oh, I drank a gallon of water on Monday. Well, sweetie, it's Friday and your body doesn't. <laughs> right. Like you can't rest on that. You ate good on, you ate, you ate right on Monday. Okay, well we're past Monday. We're not getting Monday back. So at, I think about that a lot. Like, and that's just a quick, easy, fun example, funny example I use for myself. But I, I think about that, like it, it never ends, but it's good. Cause we're always growing and evolving and who wants to feel I don't know complacent and then if you sit on that it's like 10 years like it's like 10 years ago I was on Oprah nobody's like a lot <laughs> so somebody else went <laughs> Oprah since then <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um I guess switching gears a little bit and you talked about it earlier just around kind of your friendship circle growing up and then how it's kind of expanded as you've gotten older. Um, but what qualities or traits do people have to have to be in your inner circle? I think loyalty is one. I have to tell this story and it's, it's one that has affected me deeply. Um, when I was in college, I was, like I said, I was dating this young lady and um, I had a friend or I thought was like a friend, like a brother. I would, I would say he was like a brother to me. And um, the two of them were 
dating behind my like they were messing around behind my back right and so um that that affected me to a point where I, I really do have a small circle like if I call you my friend and I call you my brother like I, I really mean it like I'm calling to check up on you like I'm a FaceTime you because I want to look into your eyes like and, and really see what's going on and Selena you probably know I, I FaceTime you know what I mean like friends you know and um because it's, it's, it's that important like friendship is that important and I only have you know I will say no more than 10 solid solid friends because it, it it just means that much but loyalty has to be one um where it's like even if you mad at me even if I make you the maddest right um you don't go back <laughs> and tell somebody else something I told you in confidence that's that's loyalty right you know what I mean and so um that's that's probably that's probably number one and uh secondly I, I just want my friends to like 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 try um don't be like around me and you not trying to be better at whatever it is um, cause that's how we get stuck. Um, that's how we get stuck in that, in that rat race. And so one of the things I, I try to preach now is like, man, uh, generational wealth or, um, not having any regrets. And so, um, someone who kind of pushes themselves to be better. Um, I compete a lot with my friends and not in an envious way, right? I compete, like if, if my friends going on vacation or they got a job, I'm like, man, like, what can I do to get, you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it motivates me. Um, the only reason I got it, I, I went for a promotion at my at my company is because my my best friend got a promotion, mm. right? Not to be like trying to like stay like equal with him, but he he motivates me to like, all right, am I being too complacent? Um, can I reach another level? And so I want friends who are loyal, and I want friends who strive to just be better. Because if they strive to be better, it it should it should elevate the group. Everybody should want to be better, and it's it's pretty much that simple. Yeah. Water rises to meet meet its um level, right? Yeah. I cut you off, Iman. Sorry. Oh no, I was just saying I love that. Me too. And one thing again, like, how did you not get bitter? How do you still trust people? Oh, he left. He better. (laughs) (laughs) No, I had a I had a call. I had to decline it on my (laughs) app. Um, because I hear which like what you described earlier as far as people kind of falling away when what you couldn't do the football you couldn't play football and then the best friend and girlfriend thing I don't know the the combination I don't know how I would probably have real big trust issues how do you not have that well all right all right so here's what happened and I'll be completely transparent um I do have trust issues. Well, I did like real bad trust issues, and um, I thought I like like really I like thought this girl was gonna be my wife. Like she was just oh she had my nose wide open, and um, I didn't party on the weekdays in college. Like I was like I'm gonna get up early. I'm gonna go to the we're gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna get my body right for the next game. So and they knew that I went out on Tuesdays and Thursdays Thursday night, which is you know big college college party nights, and so. And he was, and she was like, I'm in the bed at, you know, eight thirty, nine o'clock. And I guess one party, they, they were just hanging out, talking. And um, another teammate saw her pick him up one late night where he was a bouncer and he seen it and he, he told me and I confronted him. And I was like, so messed up. So like traumatized that it happened, right? Angry. Um, 
but it turned me into a monster where I um I did the same thing to another teammate. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I was like, this is how everybody everybody was my enemy, and um another teammate girlfriend approached me, and I did the same thing, and it turned me into like um it turned me into a hypocrite. One, it turned me into like not not a a team leader like I was supposed to be, um where I kind of was the reason why our locker room was divided, and I, it turned me just selfish, and what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah bitter I was bitter um and it it just it was a it was a tough time where I was just confused and mad at everyone and this is stuff that happens in college that like I, I tell these type of stories in the book because one it hits home to me um and I think two people can learn from them right and so the the best thing for me to have done, which I would, if I would have known what I know now, is like, all right, it happened and kind of move and move on, right? Um, but I wanted someone else to feel my pain. And um, man, it's just something that I, I deeply regret. I talk about it all the time to like my teammates now um, because it, it forced members of the team to kind of choose. And you can feel, you know how you can feel like the, the vibes when you walk into a place? Mm -hmm. Every day you walk into that locker room, you can just feel the tension and it's not how it was supposed to be. And um, yeah, that was that. That was, that's a regret I do have that I wish I can go back and, and kind of do it differently. Hurt, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people, yeah. How did you heal? Um, I didn't, I was, I was drinking and just trying to sleep with other women to make me feel better. I, I didn't like really heal, like when I, I didn't really heal from it until like the whole depression stuff is when, you know, I really had time to reflect and, and just tried to be a better person. But I carried those things for so long. It's just a, it was a culmination of so many things that led to not just like oh, my, my knee injury. It was just so much relationship stuff, friendship stuff. Um, yeah, it was just, just so much that um, I didn't know what I was doing or what I was getting myself into until, until I looked back. Right, um, that was just carrying like a, it was like me carrying a luggage that was, you know, three, 400 pounds. I'm just pulling that luggage. You know, you see people pulling that luggage in the airport. That's how I felt. And um, it wasn't until I graduated where I had chances to like really apologize and kind of understood how selfish of a person I was. And even now I can, I can um, sense when that selfishness comes up and I try to like get away from it because it was just a bad, it was a bad point. It was like one of those sour points in my life that I deeply regret. And I, I share that because like man, we, we do stuff and I'm not, um, I'm embarrassed by it, but I'm not ashamed to, to kind of share it, right? I, I've done some, I've done my dirt. I've been through and people done dirt to me, but I'm, I'm still here to talk about it. I didn't let my anger get to the point where um, you see some, you hear some stories in the news where um, teammates kill teammates and fight team. It didn't get to that point. Um, but that anger, like, you know, I, I was just as angry where I could have really like did something if, if I really wanted to, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I'm, I'm kind of, I'm here to still kind of talk about it and even laugh at it at this point. And we talked about that on the show before too, like mourning losses, not just deaths, but like 
when you couldn't play football, you need to mourn that. That was your whole life. When you lost that relationship, you need to mourn that. So I feel like we um, we don't talk about that enough because it's like, oh, you shouldn't be drinking and you should just get over it or whatever. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, first of all, I need to drink right now. Like <laughs> I need this. <laughs> I'm not promoting alcoholism, <laughs> but I, no, I get what you're saying. We have to cope and we have to process those losses. And I think that's an important point because we there are going to be all kinds of losses in our lives. And to just glaze over them and act like we didn't go through that that valley is that's not realistic. And it's yeah, it's kind of silly. Yeah. I think too being able to reflect, like you said, um, because I feel like sometimes people will go through things and they're like, all right, well, I got through it, but not realize the role or like how they've grown so being able to look back and be like no I was bitter I was angry I did my dirt but like this is where I'm at now um is key because I don't think a lot of people can do that it's kind of pointing the finger at like everyone else but being able to see like all right how did I grow and like learn in this scenario that's a, that's a victim mentality like um I, I wanted to play the victim you know what I mean? I, I did want to play the victim, but it, when you when you do it to somebody else and you kind of see their pain, like I hurt my teammate, man. He was like he was hurt by that, right? Like we he, we almost came to blows like ten different times because he was so hurt by it. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of seeing his pain was like, man, like it it was a reflection of myself, mm-hmm. and um, it's something that. Even even when I apologize, and I apologize to him in the moment, but when you're when you're kind of hurt like that, it's like um, nothing that I could have said could erase the the feeling that he had of not only his girlfriend betraying him, but his teammate, and it's the same way I felt, and it was just um, it was, it was just a mess. But I I did want to play the victim until I I was able to see how it actually looked on someone else, and I'm like, man, this this is not it. Mm-hmm. and victim mentality doesn't allow you to move on it doesn't allow you to grow it just keeps you stuck in that space when you don't you don't have any responsibility so you can just point the finger forever don't be a victim mentality. <laughs> yeah i'm spilling, spilling the tea right now i should be, I should be keeping these stories in my um my tell all book <laughs> um well, I want to be mindful of your time. Oh, keep going. Whatever y'all got. I got some time. Whatever y'all got. Um, but yeah, do you have any questions, Iman? Um, I guess just the only, the main one for our listeners is what piece of advice would you give to people that maybe want to be an author or maybe have one dream and then for whatever reason that switched and now they have to pursue something else? Like what's the piece of advice that you would give to that's a really good question. Um, the author piece, I would say, um, guard, guard that, guard that tight, right? And what I, what I mean by that is that I told a lot of people, I was like, man, I'm writing a book because I wanted people to be excited. Like, we didn't have any authors like where I grew up at, like definitely like black, you know, male authors. And the authors that we did have, they, they kind of wrote like the, the, the sizzling romance novels, but something different. And people look at me and like, why do you want to write? Like, you know what I mean? Like, because it, it, it wasn't like a, a popular cool thing to do. And it almost deterred me from doing it. And I stopped telling people until I was finished with the book. And I was like, all right, this, this is what I've done. 
right? But um, kind of guard it and be careful who you tell your secrets to until um, you are ready to really share it with the world. Because um, people, people can only see as far as what they can do. And so you tell somebody about writing, like they they will give it to you from their perspective, and it can it can kind of shut it kind of shut you down a little bit. And um, you know, that's almost what it what it did to me. I almost stopped writing because so many people was like, okay, and couldn't see my excitement, couldn't feel my excitement I had for it because they couldn't write themselves. Um, the second part. What was the second part again? Um, so if, cause you talked about like how you had this dream for- Oh yeah, started, that's right. And then something happened and you kind of had to reevaluate like what you do with your life. Like yep. So if, if a dream does not come to fruition, right? It's not the end all be all, right? You have to take a step back. My recommendation is to take a step back and really analyze what you learn in that whole process of however long you was chasing that dream. Right, maybe, and and know that is 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 over, over first. Right, there's a difference between being chasing a dream and being told no a hundred times, but you mm-hmm. still can achieve it. But if it's over, over, like if it's like like an athlete who can't really run anymore, then you kind of know it's over. But um, analyze that and take the pieces that you are able to develop and learn and grow from, and apply it. Right, it's not a one-off. Like this is oh, I, I accomplished this over here. There's so many things that are buried underneath the surface that if you pull them, you pull them out and put them in your bag, right? The, the, like I said, the hard work, the perseverance, the, the time management, the, the, the ability to be able to lead a group, all those things, put them in the bag, right? And, and put it on your back and you can take it with you. You can take it with you wherever you go and it, it, be, it becomes a part of you and it can, it can help grow you in that, in that next new endeavor that you have. And so, yeah, that would be, that would be my advice. Love it. I love that. Yeah. Um, can you, sh- are, wait, are you comfortable sharing your next goal with us? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I have multiple goals. So um, one, I have to finish. So this is junior year. I got to tell y'all a fascinating story about this too. Um, this is junior year. I have, I have to do senior year, but then I, I, I really want to I have this this goal of it being on Netflix, right? But differently, like, so freshman year is a 10-part series. That's one season. And then sophomore is a 10-part season. That's, that's season number two. So it'd be four seasons of this this novel. And so that is my goal. I don't know who I have to talk to. I don't even know what, like, production and all that stuff looks like. Um, or, like, uh, screenwriting. I, I don't even... I can't even fathom how that process is, but that's my goal. I want to um, take this thing to the screen. I want to be able to be like, man, like it's this average guy who didn't, who, who initial dream didn't come. Right. And, and now look at, he just picked up uh, a pen and got some paper and started writing. And now it's on like TV, like that's, that's my goal. Like I, I really, I can feel it. But sometimes I, I, I'm like, man, how is this going to happen? Because I'm like so far, I feel like I'm so far away from it. But then I, I keep coming back to it. Like, this is this is what I want to happen. And, um, you know, I'm going I'm to take it as far as I possibly can to, to attain that. If it's any consolation, I believe, I believe. It's not unrealistic. I mean, you know that. But it's yeah. not that far away. Like, I love hearing that. Okay. Yeah. Got me excited. All right. Anything? Oh, so can I tell you guys my story? Oh, yeah. 
Sorry. I, I like to tell this because I don't want to miss opportunity. I have a huge platform like you mm -hmm. guys are providing. Um, so my novels, I don't have the other two books with me. So freshman, sophomore, and junior year. So like I, like I mentioned before, my brother is doing 30 years in prison. And um, when I was starting the first book, um, I was telling my brother, like, yeah, I'm writing this book. I was telling him all about it, giving my elevator pitch too. And um, I was telling him I was working with this, this artist in New York. And I was saying, man, this artist, like, I got this vision for how I want my book cover to be. But he ain't, I'm not about to pay all this money. And he, I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to deliver what I want to deliver. And so every Saturday morning, my brother called me. I read him chapter three. He called me next Saturday. I read him chapter four, whatever I worked on that, that week. Because it normally would take me like maybe a week and a half, a week to, to really get a good chapter going. And um, I get to like the, it's 15 chapters in the book. I think I get to like chapter 11. And he says, he calls me that Saturday morning. And he says, hold on. And he put this guy named Marcus on the phone. And Marcus like, I heard you writing a book. Um, and you, you, you have a vision for a book cover. And he, he's like, what's the vision? <clears throat> so I tell him, you know, what I wanted it to look like. Boom, that and the third. Maybe two weeks later, he sends me a, um, a drawing. He sends me a drawing. And I was like blown away. And I use Marcus for all of my, my, um, all of my book covers. But the, I guess the fascinating part is that when they called me the following Sunday after I received, you know, the first cover, I was thanking Marcus and, you know, asking him how can I compensate him and um, just getting normal a little bit. And uh, Marcus, he'll tell you straight up. He was like, man, yeah, I'm doing life without parole. Um, he committed a, well, it was a murder. He, he, him and his friends, they were from DC and in Harrisonburg, Virginia, ironically, where I went to school at um, early, I guess, early nineties or late nineties or something like that. I can't remember. But his friend was like, yo, I know where this drug dealer keep his stash. And I think he's out of town. So they go to the house from D.C. to Harrisonburg. It's probably like a two-hour drive from D.C. to Harrisonburg. And um, when they get there, and the drug dealer's not out of town. So drug dealer pull out a gun. They pull out a gun. The drug dealer gets shot. And it's a murder. And so he's serving life without parole. But he has this, he has this um, incredible gift that you know, through me, he still gets to kind of share with the world. And so I never want to miss the opportunity to, to tell that story because um, I think he's a phenomenal at what he does, even though the limited resources, just think about if he was out here, um, what he'll be able to kind of express through his art. But um, I, I like to tell that story to my audience. I like to tell that story to kids because like you can, you can have this, this phenomenal gift to the world and you can make a, a, a bad decision and it can have some everlasting consequences to it, mm -hmm. right? And so my brother and then, you know, Marcus are, are reminders of that for me. Um, you know, sometimes you have these, these wild, crazy thoughts in your head, like this dude just cut me off on the road. I want to go up to him and, and knock him out, right? And you, you got to remember, man, there's it's consequences to every action that you have. Yeah. And, but it's good consequences too. Like I tell kids, like the, the time where I, I'm rambling, but the times where I really wanted something and I put in the work, I, I put in the work every day, I just worked and I achieved it, right? It's good consequences that come from, you know, putting in the work and, and doing what you're supposed to do. And so consequences is not necessarily a bad thing, but you got to choose, you know, um, what action that you're going to put into it. I love that. All right, that's my last kind of, that's my last, <laughs> like, um, yeah, that, that was it, that was it. For your books, though, where can people purchase them and find them? 
Um, so the Amazon, Amazon is probably the number one place, but then my website, um, www.theathletestudent.com. And the first book is also in Barnes and Noble. So when I was on that high when everything was going good, Barnes and Noble picked up my book. I haven't got a chance to get them to pick up the sophomore year and junior year yet, but hopefully soon, but, uh, Amazon or just my website probably is the best because you can get a signed copy and I can ship it to you directly. Um, but yeah, so the athletestudent.com and my Instagram is jeanduke14. Okay, we'll put all that in the show notes Absolutely. for our listeners. Absolutely. Um, do you want to share anything else? Are you good? You feel good? No, it's up to you guys. Did I give you guys what you need? I, I was like a boring guest and it's going to drop your ratings, your, your thousand followers. Gonna drop <laughs> uh, not at all. Not at no, all. We have a thousand followers and all. Listen, uh, no, no, no. We invited you here to talk. So please don't okay. walk away feeling like, oh, I talk too much. That was what we asked you to do. <laughs> well, it's times like, it's times where, because I, I do work from home and it's times where I'm just like not talking to anyone. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm, I get carried away when I do have the, like the platform mm-hmm. to talk. I start, I start feeling myself just going because I don't talk a lot. And so when I do, I'm like, I'm gonna get it out. And so I want to be mindful because this is you guys a show. I don't know what kind of questions you guys had to ask me, but I was just going for like 20 minutes straight. And I'm like, okay, all right, you, you guys are never gonna invite me back. Then y'all gonna go over and over like, do not invite this dude because he's just gonna talk the whole time. No, we are. We would never do that, even if we felt that way. But I don't okay. do not feel that way, and I get that because I work from home too. I've been working home for a long time, and sometimes I'm like, I just need to talk to someone. Okay. <laughs> Another I'm human, please. The issue. <laughs> I'm yeah, like talking talk all, all day. day. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, Dr. Holloman, for sharing your time with us and inspiring our listeners to redefine success for themselves. And of course, thank you listeners. We could not do this without you. Remember to hit like, comment, and share this episode and please leave a review. We always want to hear your feedback. You can subscribe at U Plus Happy on YouTube and also on Instagram. And we'll see you next week, same time, same place. And we ask our guests to say our tagline, which is, we'll show you our definition of success if you show us yours. Okay. We'll show you. Oh man, I'm gonna jack this up. Um it's long, it's long. We'll show you the de- we'll show you the definition of su- success if you show us yours. Yep, nailed it. <laughs> okay, all right. Um we'll show you the definition of success if you show us yours. Good job. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, I have a good one.